0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And before you cut your fees, listen to this episode.
1: Yes, please, 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 please.
0: Both of us have gotten contacted in the last few days about people who are like, uh, should I slash my prices or should I discount my invoices or what should I do? And, and we have very strong opinions about that.
1: Can you tell? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So why don't yeah this was uh Rochelle you've got the I think the most juicy story here do you want to kick it off with that
1: Yeah so uh Philip Fulton who's a friend of the show he wrote in trying to figure out what to do about his April invoices and this is how he phrased the question Knowing some of my clients and members will be feeling cash flow challenges should my April invoices somehow reflect this reality And what happened from that is we had an email exchange about reducing fees without reducing scope, and he was making a case for an automatic reduction. Now, we're talking retainer revenue here. I just want to be clear about that. An automatic reduction for April, kind of a COVID-19 discount of some amount. And as you can probably figure out, and as Jonathan and I talked about before the show, we disagree. (laughs)
0: Correct. So yeah, I also had a conversation yesterday with a private coaching alum who works in an industry that isn't hotels, but it might as well be hotels uh, that's getting pummeled. And here's the key. The assumption is that they're going to be in a bad financial situation. And that might be true. It might not be true. Um, So I had some very specific advice for him. And I know Rochelle had some very specific advice for her situation. Uh, but I think the the first thing to say up front is that. It's very specific, so like de- it depends on you know you might sell info products that are relatively inexpensive you know like twenty to a hundred to two hundred to three hundred dollars like inexpensive info products you might have some kind of a membership community that isn't super expensive but maybe it's a, a hundred a couple hundred bucks a month for members on an ongoing basis maybe you have advisory retainers that are four or five figures a month on an ongoing basis maybe you have a big project that you're in the middle of. That's, you know, you're six months into a 12 month project, maybe, you know, like a software project or something like that. Uh, Maybe you're about to land a big project and you're about to send a proposal and you're like, I don't know, you know, like, should I lower these prices? I was just about to send this, but I hadn't. So there are tons of different situations So it's going to be a little bit hard to give like, there's, I don't think there is general advice that's going to cover all of them. So let's kind of go down the ones that we've encountered most recently and maybe pick them off one by one.
1: Well, I kind of want to start with the client situation where you're doing either a retainer or you're getting ready to start a project. Because I think those two come together because to me, the first step in those is to have a conversation with your client. Right? Yeah, because assumptions are so dangerous. I have a client who I know his revenue is impacted because I know how his revenue is calculated. And part of it has to do with the financial situation of his clients. So I know his revenue is down. When I had a conversation with him, and he acknowledged that, but he was looking at this as a time to do what he called build the bank. So he wanted to overhaul his website, he wanted to build some content for later when COVID-19 wasn't at the top of all of the news channels. He was really looking at it as an investment time. So if I had made an assumption, I would have been wrong.
0: Right, and so there's two problems there. One, it would have decreased your revenue like right off the bat, cutting your legs out for, for no reason. But the other thing that's more important to me is that you're making an assumption about someone you have a relationship with it's almost like you're judging them like you're broke right now you can't afford me anymore i'm going to give you a discount and if you have especially for clients like where you've got this tight one-on-one relationship just have the conversation like invest in the relationship and and don't do like a blanket thing across all of your invoices like COVID 19 50 discount it's, it's really impersonal and this is not an impersonal time. Like this is not a time to be impersonal. It's like, have the conversation. It's like Rochelle in your situation that you just described, you could say, Hey, Bob, or whatever his name is, you know, obviously I know how your business works. How are you doing? Are you doing yeah. okay? Like, wh- That's how do you wanna- all you
1: have to do is right. you say, how are you? What's happening? What's going on?
0: Yeah. What do you want to do? Is there any, are there any changes you need to make? Let's talk. Yeah, but sending yeah. out like some automated message across all of your customers or clients, the big mistake there is you're treating them like you're judging them. You're like, I I don't know. I, I don't know how to put it. I want to put it in a way that makes it feel rude. It is rude.
1: Well, it's it's not intentionally rude.
0: I know, but I want to put but it that it, way so yeah, people feel it, like you know what I mean? Like I don't want to be rude to my so clients. so
1: impersonal. And the other thing is um, most people listening to the show, you don't have 100 clients, active clients. You may have served 100 clients over time, but you don't have 100 active ones. You can probably count them on both hands when we're talking clients, so when we're talking about members or buyers of info products, but actual clients. And so to not reach out, especially now when the world is so uncertain and all we have are our relationships. It's the most important thing. So blanket anything is pretty much not going to work. I, I know we said we couldn't we couldn't say one rule of thumb for anything, but I think for the most part, when we're talking client relationships, blanket anything probably isn't going to work.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, if we focus just on client relationships, like real tight client relationships. So interestingly, most of the people I work with have drunk the Kool-Aid and they've all been paid up front so it's a different situation than if you're billing in arrears so that's also another nuance to it i think for for existing close client relationships you just have the conversation i would i would recommend being proactive about it and not waiting for them to be like you know things are a little rough right now maybe we should re you know just reach out and not everyone will do that um, but but if you are the type reach out and say how are things doing and you might get an answer like Rochelle said, you know, oh, this is a good time for me to double down and build the bank, so to speak. Other people might be struggling more. It comes down to a, a lot of times, I think it's going to come down to a cash flow situation, and not everybody has bad cash flow. Someone can be sitting on six months of runway and they might want to invest it now because now's the time because the world's going to be on sale. So it's like, hey, let's do all of this now. We've got this time to finally spend time on this stuff I've been meaning to spend time on. You could very well have clients who want to step on the gas. So, so just assuming that everybody's going to clamp down like an armadillo—it's like, eh, that's a bad assumption.
1: Well, and also, I feel like it comes from our own fear when we do that. Mm-hmm. And so you oh, don't it's totally ever
0: projecting, totally yeah. projecting. Yeah,
1: you don't ever want to lead with fear. Mm-hmm. One of the questions was, well, isn't it better to get some revenue than none? And my answer to that is, you know, if you can't put food on the table, then you know the answer. But really, the goal here ultimately is so that you don't have to make those decisions, that you stand strong in who you serve and the unique value that you provide and the contribution that you make to the client's bottom line.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe you have that conversation. And unlike Rochelle's let's step on the gas client, someone says something like, you know, things are really tight. We let a bunch of vendors go. We're going to have a meeting about. You today, and I know of at least one person who was like, "You know what? don't even worry about it. I'm just going to keep working with you. You can pay me whatever you want at the end of this whenever whatever happens, but they've got a good relationship, and the consultant in this scenario is the one that has the runway, and is like, "Look, I don't want to stop working with you guys just because you're you don't have the cash flow right now. We'll figure it out later and just totally trusting the client to A, trusting the client to recover, because you know it's a client that's not doing great, and trusting the client, and then of course, trusting the client's gonna do the right thing. So is it a vulnerable position to be in? Yes, but guess what that does? It deepens the relationship. If you get the feeling from your experience with the client that they're worth investing in, in that way, that's the way to do it.
1: A few years ago, I had that happen with a client, and I worked with them for maybe two or three years, And he called me kind of sort of sheepish and said, you know, I hate to do this, but I think I just need to put our work on hold for a couple of months. And so we were talking and, and it had to do with quarterly revenue and they really didn't want to spend the money until their next quarter came in. And I said, well, let me understand this. Is this about the amount or is it about timing? And is there anything about the work? He said, no, he said, it's just timing. I said, well, then let's just do this and you pay me then that was something that totally built trust with the client. I I already had trust, it's not like I just met them. I knew that they were reliable and I felt like it was a win-win. We got the work done, they didn't have to interrupt it. It never happened again. But if if the situation had happened again, I would I would do it again.
0: Yeah, and imagine if you if they had stopped, then the the relationship starts to fade, you're not top of mind, they move move on to some other focus. And there is a lot of, a lot of things are up in the air right now. So, and there's going to be a new normal, like things, things change and they keep moving forward. That pace of change is like through the roof right now, but it's, it's normal. It's just compressed. It's well, normal's not really the right word, but it's normal state of affairs is that things change and they're changing super fast right now. But it's honestly in times of chaos, it's the most important time. To be like thinking and and innovating and trying to stay right on the cutting edge of what does it seem like is going to happen next? Where does it seem like the chips are going to fall? Because if you don't do that and you just clamp down, what you're really doing is I'm just going to hunker down and wait until things go back to the way they were. And they're not going to. Something's going to be different. We're both uh, of a certain age and can remember three recessions in my lifetime, four that I can remember. All the way back to the seventies with the gas rationing, things, you know, things get good again, but they're not the same. So if you if you just hunker down, if you or more especially your clients, if they just hunker down and be like, no, we're just gonna weather this or batten down the hatches and wait for this storm to end, that's that's way riskier, if you ask me, than than plowing forward, keeping your eyes on the prize and like figuring out how they can help serve their customers and clients better and just well. move forward.
1: Yeah. And I think I have this visual as you're saying that it's like you have to let this move through you versus like literally hunch your body down and wait for the rain to stop. It's like you have to face it up front and the things that work great and the things that don't, you have to get through them by acknowledging them and figuring out what changes. I mean, I've been quoting this. Forever now, Jonathan. From what two weeks ago? Um, do the the next, next right, right thing. thing.
0: Yeah, Frozen Two. Okay. Yeah, Gosh, you're Frozen Two.
1: <laughs> but that's what it is. That's I mean, that's the easiest way I can think of, because we can all project out what we think it's going to look like. I'm pretty sure we're going to be wrong, but we might be right about certain aspects. So in in the absence of of knowing, we just do the next right thing. Right. And the next one after
0: that. Right. So I mean, like, I I love the ship metaphor. Imagine you're you're in this, like, pirate ship, and it's just, like, a huge storm. You're out in the middle of the ocean. And you could either go below decks and just tie yourself to a barrel and keep your fingers crossed, or you can be up there with your hand on the wheel trying to do something, probably not doing much, but at least you have your eyes on the horizon. And you're just, like, getting buffeted by rain and lightning, and it's, like, crazy, and it's awful, and it's a bad experience. But at least you're up there with your hands on the wheel instead Mm -hmm. of down below hiding. Be a pirate. I'd rather be a pirate, right. (laughs) So we're talking a a lot about, so far, about um, one-on-one real close client relationships with existing clients and how to perhaps address this situation with them. I wanna make it clear that publicly, if you have any pricing on your website or you're, you're getting new inquiries, I wouldn't do any of that. I wouldn't discount anything. In fact, I am personally raising my prices right now for my high-end stuff, which probably sounds crazy, but the people who I'm already associated, you know, I've like 10 these sort of close client vendor relationships. Those are all I'm I'm doing things like this with those relationships where it needs to, you know, like adding extra months and so on and so forth. But I'm not going to globally just update my website to be like fire sale new ownership, store closing, do not do that. That's where you dilute your brand. That's where you, it's that sign on the front of the store, you know, fire sale, everything 50% off. What does that tell you about that store? What does that make you think about the stuff inside the store? It's going to be a, a terrible selection of not very much stuff picked over and, you know, seedy. Like it's, well, not the, it's not the Or you're you a
1: bargain hunter and you love it. But guess what? Those are not great are not long-term clients, you want. clients or buyers.
0: right? So, so with your personal relationships, yeah, you're your own boss. You're a small business and that's part of your superpowers that you can make individual special arrangements with people with whom you already have a relationship. But to strangers and the general public, you're not going to put a fire sale sign out front.
1: No, but I want to I want to piggyback on that for a second before we go to like another category. Is part of this is is being very clear about your value. One of the things that that Philip and I were discussing is his concern was that consultants, coaches and and people who deliver, quote unquote, soft services were going to be subject to reduction or <laughs> extinction. And you know, my comment back to him was These aren't soft if you're contributing to the bottom line. And so the key is, this is if nothing else, this whole mess is an opportunity to get really clear on what you're contributing to that bottom line. And if you're selling things that are very soft, then you need to rethink the the transformation that is happening with your clients. You need to talk about it and have your clients experience it in a powerful way so that it's not soft. I mean, I do coaching. I don't consider my coaching soft. We're working on bottom line. Yes, we're working on mindset, but it ties to the bottom line. And we're working on things that go directly there. So that's another opportunity here is that if you haven't really created that link in your client's mind with what you do to their bottom line, now's the time to start that. Not not to like prove prove it to them in a in a in a one-down situation, but to really start to think about what's my value? How am I contributing here? How can I contribute more?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a, a great time to clarify your message, like get clearer about the value proposition and less hand wavy and make it more tangible and concrete. I mean, it's all it's all knowledge work and coaching and leadership and so it's kind of like hard to point to an artifact, but the feelings are very real, like the feelings that some people say, I, I know what to do now. I have the confidence to move forward. I know that this spend is not going down the toilet for this ad buy or whatever, whatever the investment is, this, this website, you know, redo. That's super important to people. If you don't know how to find those things out, a quick way to do it would be to ask for testimonials from your best clients and they will give you the language that other people like them that will click with other people like them who are in their situation. So that's a whole different topic. But but yeah, it's a great time to clarify exactly what it is that your the results that you bring.
1: And some of that you can learn in your conversation with a client, right? This upfront conversation about what's happening, how are you feeling, what's going on in your organization, how can I help you? I mean, that's all tied Together. And if there's a situation where you need to cut back in some way, you want to make sure you focus on the value added things that you do, the most important, most critical, most contributive to the transformation that you're making. You know, you don't want to wind up Yeah. I, I used <laughs> a big word today.
0: <laughs> 75 cents.
1: Yeah. Ching, ding, ching. Yeah, because that you don't want to suddenly go from strategy to execution. If you're a strategist, right or, or vice versa for that matter, you need to stay in your lane, not a rut but a lane, and and really do what you do best so you can help your clients move forward right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So okay, so I feel like we're, we're beating the horse on this one. so I'd like to go to the flip side of the situation and talk about the least personally invested types of products like an info product or a book, a course, something like that and I had one of the the folks I was talking to about this has some things like that and was he had this thing it was around call it three or four hundred dollars and it was targeted at a particular group of people who for whom that wasn't a trivial expense but it wasn't ridiculous either it's a industry that's getting hammered right now so he was like, oh, you know, I just recently launched it. I haven't sold any yet. I was thinking about lowering the price and letting the people know. And I was like, free is better than cheap. I would just make it free. So you're not going to hear Jonathan Stark say this very often. But for something that has no incremental cost like that, I would just go free. I would not make it cheap. I like the optics better on free than cheap. So... <laughs> If well maybe maybe it,
1: with the deadline too. I mean, depends on the situation. Yeah. But you might say, you know, for the first year.
0: Yeah, free for a limited time. Right.
1: Yeah. Or for some 90 days, you know, or six months, whatever, you know, you think is gonna work with that population. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. And what that does is it first it, it projects you as like it obviously it projects generosity. It also projects stability that you don't aren't desperate for those individual sales or that sort of low ticket thing. And it's going to be great for your brand. It's it's to- the product itself is is totally on brand for his higher tier services. So it kind of turns into marketing and it's helpful and doing a service to these people who are struggling. I would go free, not cheap. I think it's a big difference. The, the 200 bucks or the 100 bucks he would get from the couple hundred people that buy it tops. It, there's no way a couple hundred people would buy it. So it's kind of like, eh, do you really need that money? Wouldn't you rather have the goodwill? And it hasn't been, it's not like it's been selling and he's going to, because it's new. So it's, it's not like he's going to get a big cut in income or something. I'm like, just let, li- just free for limited time. Norm- yes, but normal price, 495 or whatever it is, free for a limited time. And they come through the program and it's all automated. It's, it, it literally is no work for him. So maybe there's some like email support or something like that, or, like whatever. But, you know, I can't I can't open the video. Something like that. But it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be a lot. And he's already really well positioned in this niche. And the niche is going to bounce back. People are going to need hotels again eventually. That's not going to go away. And, I mean, it's not hotels. But the idea is, like, it's a, it's a core service. And when it comes back, there's going to be that trust and thankfulness and reciprocity and good karma. Or however you want to put it. Um, so... You know, when, and then when people come along and like, oh, I can't afford your, you know, one-on-one consultation thing. It's like, well, I've got this free course. You can, you know, it's free for a limited time. If you want to grab that, it's, it's, uh, it's great, <laughs> you know. Well, and you can also that.
1: market it in a different way. I mean, it's one thing when you're selling something, um, when something is free, there is a way you can position that. I think, um, especially in social media, and try and um, get that out there. That doesn't; it's not taking advantage of the situation. You are offering some help to a to a niche market.
0: Yeah, no strings attached.
1: Yep, yep.
0: To me, those are the two ends of the spectrum: the really high end, close relationship client engagements, and then on the low end, it's like info products and stuff. If you if you are going to do something with your pricing publicly to strangers. Um, I'd probably do it down there at the lower end of your product ladder. And, you know, if you do have something that's not going to take up your time, the more you know, something that scales like crazy it might be a good time to release it for free. I've seen some other info product gurus who are like in the middle of a launch of something else that made their a couple of their other premium courses free. And they still did their normal launch for the new thing. So I know my m- emotional reaction to that situation. I was like, oh, this, that's the way to go if you're going to do something like that. It's not charity. It's just generosity.
1: You make a good point. And if you're wondering about whether to do something or not, imagine that you're watching it and what would be your gut check? You know, what's your emotional reaction if somebody else did what you're proposing to do? Would it feel good or would it be... Uh...
0: Right. Maybe ask around a little bit. It's tough to, it's tough to know uh, when it's you. When because you, you've got skin in the game, and you're like, oh, I put all that work into those videos, and like now I'm going to give them away for free, and like the entire market, suppose you know that might be what you think. The entire market's going to have them. It's like, yeah, I don't know, probably not. The entire market's probably not going to have them, but yeah, it, it does change the way that you can alert the world to their existence because now social media is in play, and you can be like, hey, you know, this is my course. It's free for a limited time for people who are like this. Tell your friends, enjoy. You know, hope it helps. So what are some of the things in the middle? Some of the things in the middle I think would be like a a month to month membership community, some kind of private mastermind or membership community or something like that where the price isn't like super high, but it's this recurring expense. And to me, pretty much everybody who's in my group coaching thing, which falls into this category, came in with a discount from my list because almost everybody on it is from my list, and I give people on my list a discount on it. So they're kind of grandfathered in, unless they cancel, they're grandfathered in forever and ever at uh, 30% or 33% off whatever the the normal price is. And, uh, you know, I had one person cancel, and I can imagine people are looking at their credit card, and they're like, "Mm, of all the things, this kind of recurring things that go out, you know, I've got my health insurance and I've got my car payment and I've got my rent or my mortgage and I've got this other hundred bucks going to to this group coaching thing and yes they're going to question it and be like am I getting value out of it or not I don't think the solution is to just do a blanket discount and I also don't think this and and I think going person to person to person to person person isn't realistic either you have like a a hundred people and you know I'm not going to go person to person to person to person and be like hey how you doing it's not that kind of a relationship. It's close to it, but it's not quite at that level. You know, we only see each other fairly rarely, any given person. So it's a, that one's a little bit more up in the air for me. I, I could go either way. Like, I'm curious to see what you think. I could imagine publicly being like, hey, group coaching, which it doesn't, it does take some of my personal time, but it scales really easily. So it's like every other week I have like an office hour type of thing and we, I take questions. It's like an AMA and people can just come in, it's like a webinar. And in the meantime, there's a Slack room where people ask questions. It's a pretty low volume Slack room. If there are a hundred people in there now, I could probably handle 500 without a a massive change. And so I could imagine, you know what, everybody, for the next few months, the price is gonna be nine bucks instead of 99 bucks. For people who need help jump in, there's a risk there to the culture of the community. Because you're going to bring in a different kind of people, probably, probably. If it was free, it would definitely destroy the room. Because if it was free, then a thousand people would join. Some of them would take it seriously, but most of them wouldn't. You'd end up with people advertising their own stuff. It'd just be a mess. It'd be a a bloodbath. So it wouldn't be generous to the people who have been and are currently paying for me to open up the floodgates for a whole bunch of like, not all, but a, a significant portion would be wouldn't have their heads in the right place something like that. So that's not really fair to the people who are already in there. And then the question is, well, do you drop the price for everybody? There's all these questions. And so far, I've just kind of been like on the fence about it. Nobody's contacted me about it. Group coaching folks, if you're listening to this, feel free to DM me. The value is still there. So, and it's not a lot of money, even if you're having a hard time. I mean, it's, it's, it's like less than coffee money. So... You tell me, but I'm a little bit kind of like not going to mess with it is basically my feeling.
1: I was listening to see if if you've come up with something different than what I'm doing, because what you described is exactly my group coaching program situation. And I did have a cancellation this morning but my instinct wasn't to change the pricing. I I do the same thing you do where there's been reductions based on being on the list. I also had some people who helped me figure out what should be in it and I gave them a one-time special price. So yeah, I kind of feel like I don't want to cut the price. And I totally understand why one person is exiting, but I I didn't feel like Oh well I'll cut it by a hundred dollars. You know, I just I, I don't I don't think that would do it. And in fact it just I don't know, it just I don't feel like that's my brand to to that member. So I I've kind of come out where you are. I did post a notice in the group and said, how are you asking how they're doing with this? You know, what are they seeing with their clients and their business? I'd kind of like to know what's going on with them. What I did was I started a free Slack channel. I mean, you already had one, but um, I started a new one. There's not that many people in it yet. It's maybe 50 people, something like that. But I feel like that's a place if somebody can't afford the other, they can go there rather than to mess with something that appears to be working.
0: Yeah. Seth Godin has this thing, generous doesn't mean free. The approach that I've taken so far with the group coaching, now that I'm thinking back over it, is increased generosity with those people, but not a price cut. It's not, I mean, it's just not a make or break purchase. It's not that expensive. If you can't afford it, I don't really want your money. So if it's not worth it to you, it's fine if you churn, that's fine. Like I don't want your money if it's not valuable. Uh, but you can, dear listener, if you're in a similar situation, you can add value to the people who are in there. So like I said, it's it's been a fairly low volume Slack room, meaning that there's not like loads and loads of conversation. But, you know, I've been creating an insane amount of content lately that I can share with those people and generate with the, that group to foster more conversation around these specific things. So there's not a curriculum in it. It's very like on-demand office salary type of thing. But I can still set, you know, like, hey, the topic for this is like leading during times of change or how to work from home with kids or different topics that are specific to now and potentially adding more value to the people who are already have been members and not just destroying the culture by with an influx of people who, who don't get it or aren't in the same, pl- really aren't in the same place. That's the thing. Like the people who are in group coaching right now, they're in a similar place to each other. So they're kind of, they're peers. So you don't want a yeah. bunch of people who are, aren't really peers. It just would be kind of oil and water.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially when you've got an established practice as a, as a consultant or developer, it's, you kind of don't want to be in a room full of people who are just getting started when you're paying for that. There are reasons why you might want to. You might want to offer them some advice. You might be looking for partners for things. But in terms of your own development, you typically want to be with peers or people who are a step ahead of you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want people that are going to challenge you. You don't want to be the, you don't want to be the one teaching everyone if you're paying.
1: Yeah, like what's, yeah, what's yeah. the point in that? Just start your own room. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> so we talked about info products, talked about group. We talked about one-on-one.
1: Well, we didn't talk about books so much, but I'm not, I don't know that books are that different from info products unless you're, you've got a New York Times perch for your book.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I kind of lump them together. Yeah. Honestly, I'd be, I'd be quicker to give away a course than I would a book. Honestly, I don't know why, but yeah, I, feel I was like going to ask course- why,
1: you, why, why you think that way.
0: I think it probably is selfish reason because I think the, I think giving away a course, which in my case would be a video course is, is going to be a better marketing thing, a bigger trust builder, a bigger, like you could read my book or whatever and think like, oh, good ideas, not good ideas, uh, whatever. But I don't think it's going to bond you to me in any way. I don't think it's going to build trust really it's, it's just a manifesto of my position on something, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like video, or even audio, but video especially, is going to connect with the right people better, and it's going to repel the wrong people better, so as a marketing piece, if I'm going to give something away, I'd rather give away videos than give away a book, I think videos are just easier to consume, it's like an easier, easier onboarding. It gives them a better idea if they feel like they like me, you know, or would get along with me or would be a good fit for whatever their situation is. Where a book has a lot more, a book is a much more of an investment. It's like I, with the book I see, I imagine a lot of people just being like downloaded and sticking in a folder.
1: Investment for them in terms of the time to, the time to consume it.
0: Right. It's so much easier to go through videos, especially when people are sitting around like, huh, what should I, okay, I finished Netflix. What should I do now? (laughs)
1: Well, it's interesting when you when you first started on this, I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you because the, there's a subset of people that don't really like to watch videos in my audience. And they just, I used to have a, you know, a separate channel for that. I mean, I still have the channel, but I, I had a separate audience in my email list because I found the video people to be so different. But I do agree with you. I think it's less of a commitment to watch a video and people mostly, when you watch somebody on video, you usually decide pretty early on if you like them or not. That's
0: yeah, that's exactly my point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I know. I think that's a really valid observation and a, a book I mean, it depends. I mean, there's some books that I've read where I just, I want to talk to the author, you know, I want to, I want to know more about what they're thinking, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And maybe a podcast, uh, and audio goes in the same, in the same direction. They're just a little easier to consume, you know, when you're out walking around, if you can be out walking around.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I do like the pricing seminar. I do, um, the new version of the Pricing Seminar I release also as audio and also with transcripts so if I release a video course it's like pretty inexpensive to also release it as audio and, and transcripts. You just get go to a site that does automated transcripts and they're really good so yeah I could kind of release it all, th- all three modes for whatever people want but the videos for me, I don't know. I think it's, it's about the bonding and the trust building that comes from video or even audio that I, I see as more valuable than the books than giving away books
1: yeah no i i I hear that i I think that makes sense
0: um what about live events i have one live event i'm sure some people listening do training and workshops and that sort of thing i had workshops ditching hourly workshops scheduled for uh mid-april and then i think another one in june basically every two months for i had three scheduled like every two months in 2020 and so obviously those are canceled but I'm going to do them remotely, and or I'm going to offer them remotely. I don't know if anyone's interested in that, but that I could not bring myself to. This is this goes against everything I stand for, but <laughs> but but um, I could not bring myself to charge the full amount, even though here's my rationale. But maybe I'm just kidding myself. If I'm going to do it, deliver a remote workshop, it's like two days, probably in Zoom of you know, with maybe 10 or 12 people, it's gonna be actually much harder for me to do than just walking downstairs to the conference room in my building and having a bunch of people show up from all over the country. You know, like they have to do all the work. Like they have to travel to Providence. They have to, whatever it is, trains, planes, and automobiles get there, get a room, get to my office, find, you know, the whole thing, like all the work's on them. So theoretically it should be more expensive because they don't have to incur all of those travel expenses. Uh, but the flip side of it, and this is, uh, I guess I have two reasons for, for charging less. One is that I honestly don't believe the experience, the experience is not gonna be as good. The intensity of the transformation will not be as good. Like, no doubt. The information will get transmitted, but there's a reason why I wanted to do it in person. There's like, I pull this like, log out of my bag and like I'm like, here's a demonstration with the, you know, like a magnifying glass <laughs> is not gonna catch this <laughs> log on fire. And, and your pink fuzzy you sent me, and uh, these sort of physical artifacts, and it's not um well. The it's experiential not the
1: piece is different.
0: Yeah, it, it, I, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be less transformational. So that is one thing. And the other thing is that um, I've seen other people who also do live workshops that are probably something I wouldn't have bought, but on topics that I'm interested in, but I probably would never do them because I don't travel like I'm not going to travel to go to this workshop you know spend three thousand bucks and then travel somewhere and sit in a room for two days I'm just not going to do it and those folks are doing the same thing they're like ah, it's going to be remote now and and they lowered the price and I gauged my reaction to it when I read it and it's the reaction that I want people to have when I announce I haven't actually announced this it'll probably be announced by the time this episode comes out but the reaction I had when I saw those other folks do that, it didn't feel like a fire sale to me. It felt like what I'm saying. It's like, eh, I mean, if I was going to do this, I'd kind of rather be there in person. But they're going to live stream the event. And I was like, yeah, there's no way I would pay full price. I just wouldn't. But it's a little bit weird because I wouldn't pay full price anyway. But I do think the live event is worth the money. I'm just not, not the buyer. I'm like not the target market.
1: Well, and there there are people who mostly work virtual and go to an event, a live event or two a year, and live for that. You you know, to get out house, right? Yeah, you know the Yeah, who's working from home and you know leave the kids with the spouse and go off to the, the conference and and sleep in in the morning. You know those kinds of things. But you know I've had two different experiences in the last month. So these are both friends. One is a consultant who's a global consultant and she's on the road a lot. And she mostly works with one particular whale client and she was supposed to do some workshops overseas. And of course those got canceled. And so the client is wanting to do them virtually and she held fast and she said, no, there's, and she explained in depth why, but there is an element to this experience that has to be in person. And if you can't do them now, that's okay. It's better than doing it. (laughs) half-assed. I believe she's convinced the client to wait. Now, I I don't know if it's six months, they may change their minds. They may look at it again in three months. And then another one was doing uh, an in-person conference out of state and it had to be canceled. They converted it to virtual. People had already paid and she did not want to do it virtually. She felt strongly that it needed to be virtual. And she actually, when she... Yeah, or excuse me, in person. But what happened when she went to say, we shouldn't do this, she did a typo in her email and said, we should do this. <laughs> <laughs> and she went, oh my God, what have I done? And she felt at that point she couldn't back up. So she's, she's doing it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny.
1: It's happened to all of us, but I did not That just cracked me up. But the uh, the organizers of the event they're not changing. They've already signed up however many people. They paid full price, and they're just changing the format, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Yeah, the the in person going remote is very interesting. I, I'll see how this goes. I might end up regretting lowering the price. My karate school they started doing online videos and zoom calls and stuff like that because they have tons of students i mean like four or five hundred students and it's a real tight-knit community and the people who run the school are anti-technology like through and through they're all about it's like yeah you're going to learn karate when you come here but that's not the important thing we're building a social fabric and we're building good people and it's very it's not about like learning how to do a jump spinning back kick that's more of a side effect almost to them So they have always, because when I first started going there, I was like, you know, if these forms were online videos, it'd be like way easier to learn. And they're like, yeah, we don't do that. In order to keep the community fabric from kind of unraveling, they've given in and put together sort of Herculean effort to, you know, for folks who are completely not technical, I've put together a really good online version of what the class experience is like, but it's not the same thing. It's, it'll keep people from forgetting about karate. It'll keep people from forgetting their techniques, but it is very, very different. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's not even in the same universe as going to the school. And so that's kind of in my mind as well, where there's something about like sharing air that is just going to be missing. I mean, it's just going to be missing, you know, like a bunch of, I'm a huge fan of like, zoom and slack and all these remote tools but but i'm the first person to say it is not the same thing and it's it's for something that is really intense for a day and a half two days and you need to be like leave there change like with a plan done like here's the draft of all your new marketing materials here's your new funnel go out do it as you're talking about, gets done like you just need to post it online and make it look pretty like you just upload it somewhere It's just not, I know it's not going to be as effective. So
1: yeah, it's the, it's, it's all about the experience as Joe Pine would say. And that's the challenge. I mean, you can try to replicate, we all can, we can try to replicate the in-person experience as much as possible, but it's the way you describe that. I mean, I would have all kinds of distractions around me. Right. And it's, it's hard to stay focused on zoom for the longest zoom meeting I ever do is a couple of hours. And I think that's about, I could go longer if I'm teaching, but I don't think the other, the other side can go longer. I think it's really challenging. And we're, we're humans, we want this connection. Even introverts want a little connection now and then, yeah. you know, controlled, within <laughs> controlled circumstances. But yeah, we, we need that. And it's, I think we underestimate its impact at our peril when we think about putting these things together.
0: What else can we talk about with fees, books, courses, live events, uh, existing clients, leads and prospects? Kind of covered quite a bit.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think if we have anything else. I mean, we've talked about retainers. That can be tricky. Sort of related is if if you've done work already and you've sent a bill. I was thinking I, I got a bill from my CPA the other day and she filed our taxes and And she sent me the bill and and my first reaction was, well, you know, of course I'm going to pay it. Like I didn't go, oh, I wonder if she's going to give me a discount. Oh, gee. I mean, it's like I paid it right away. And so it's that I, I think that there's nothing wrong with sending out invoices as you would as you as you finish projects. But at the same time, if you're reaching out to those people and these close intimate relationships, you know how they are anyway. So you're not sending an invoice into the void.
0: Right. Yeah, and I have to give one plug. Uh, I had a number of students who were like, boy, Stark's thing about getting paid 100% in advance is a godsend right now.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would have had
0: three projects canceled probably, but guess what? I've already got the money, so we're going forward.
1: <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, that's that's commitment. Is, yeah, you know. right.
0: They're invested, yeah. literally.
1: Yeah. Put right. your money like, down and boom.
0: Yeah, might as well. It was a good idea three months ago. It's still a good idea.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's hard for some people to really wrestle with the idea that things are different. And and when people hunker down, it's hard to get them to look at anything. And so if you have clients who are that way, you're probably not gonna convince them to, to behave differently. But if you behave that way, it incites that behavior in the people that, you're, that are observing you or that you're serving.
0: That is a great point. We were kind of dancing, we didn't say it that clearly at the beginning, but that's an excellent point. When I was talking about judging them, kind of, like that's, you're also leading them to be like, well wait a second, I thought was, should I really be that nervous? Like, it's a bad example.
1: Yes. We, we need to lead through this. And we've talked about this before, but you're a soloist. You're still a leader. Your clients are looking to you to model behavior related to your expertise and your authority. And that's what we need to do, even when we don't feel it. If you're not feeling it, go home, hug your kids, kiss your spouse, pet your dog, whatever you need to do to reground. But for clients, you need to lead. We all do. Yeah.
0: Calm. Calm. Presence. Yes. Figure it out. <laughs> if you're not feeling it, figure it out. Exactly. Uh, cool. All right. Well, ho- hopefully, this has been helpful. Uh, I-, I had at least one, I feel like I made personally at least one decision here, so that's good.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Great.
0: All right. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye bye.